you know, if Instagram sees a trend that marketers are hopping on and it's starting to work, they're going to go, hey, wait a minute, you know, Mr. Marketer, you know, let's don't let's kind of diminish the reach of those for a little bit. So you go back to posting natural things again. Learn modern marketing that you can use to grow your business in today's competitive landscape. This is Digital Marketing Masters with Matt and Carrie Rouse. Welcome to Digital Marketing Masters. I'm your host, Matt Rouse. And today, my guest is the one, the only Scott Ayers. Scott, how are you doing today? I'm doing very well. How are you? I'm, I'm actually in Texas, and I think I'm cooler than you are today as of recording. Yeah. I know. I'm in Nova Scotia, and it is, let me think, metric and and <laughs> Fahrenheit for a second here. It's about 38, Ooh. so I guess that would be about 90-something. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty warm, pretty warm for here, but, you know, not like it is out in the Pacific Northwest or out in, like, Alberta, British Columbia right now. It's crazy. But June 29th is when we're recording this. If you want to go back and look at all your friends complaining <laughs> about the heat and their air conditioners breaking down. Scott is the content scientist at Social Media Lab, powered by Agora Pulse, where he busts the myths, rumors and stories of social media marketing with science and also runs Social Media Lab, which is one of my personal favorite podcasts. And when I saw Scott said he wanted to be on the show, I was like, oh, my God, Scott Ayers is going to be on my show. We're going to have to talk about busting some social media myths. So before we get started, though, do you want to tell us a little bit more about Social Media Lab and Agora Pulse? Yeah. You know, the Social Media Lab, we, we started this out, gosh, it's been four and a half years since I came on the company with the Gora Pulse, and we've published our very first blog and experiment, I think, in August of 2017. So we're about to hit that four-year mark when we got our first experiment out. But we started it. The goal was, there, you know, our, our CEO, Emmerich, was seeing way too many fluff pieces in social media marketing, you know, five best tips for this, five things you should post to that. And none of it was scientific. It's just people making it up and it worked once maybe on their account. So, Hey, let's tell everybody else to do it. Uh, and I was guilty of being a part of that problem because I'd done it for years for other companies. So we, we started doing this and our goal has always been to test everything using the scientific method. You know, the old thing you remember back in like 10th grade in high school, you know, where you have a hypothesis, you, you do research on what other people are doing, you know, you run your test and you draw a conclusion based on the data, regardless if you agree with it or not. And a lot of times that what I've found on my experiments is I'm wrong, which is always kind of fun to go. <laughs> you know, my wife is known I'm, I'm, I've been wrong for 30 years. But it's, it's interesting, though, because what's happened through the, this process is. You know, we, we've kind of turned some things upside down on what the gurus, quote unquote, have been doing and saying for a long time because we're testing on different accounts, not just their own accounts. So we always want to test the algorithm and not the audience. And I think that's crucial. So it's, it's been a fun time. We, we started out just doing experiments and podcasts and then that turned into live video shows. And I'm about two weeks away from hitting my 100th episode of the, the live video show. And then now, I mean, I've gotten to speak at, I was speaking at in, events in person, but that hadn't happened in a year now because of the COVID stuff, but it's about to come back around. But now it's speaking at virtual events almost, you know, a weekly basis somewhere. So yeah, it's it's been fun to kind of learn and sign it. It's also been fun to see the industry as a whole 
start to talk about science and data more. We see that a lot right now. I see a lot of people talking about hypotheses and talking about the scientific method and statistically significant calculators and all these things. And they weren't four years ago. And I'll take full credit for all of that. So it's 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 a it's a fun thing to do. It's a, it's getting harder these days to, especially on the organic side, to test stuff. You know, social is just tougher, organically speaking. So it's harder to test some of those things. So we do a lot more paid tests right now and team up with agencies like you guys and, you know, you have and other people have and say, hey, let's help you be a better agency and run an experiment with you to try to help you get more leads or something like that. So we're doing a lot of that right now. As far as what Agora Pulse is, if you don't know what Agora Pulse is, you know, you can you can go to agorapulselab.com and find us, but that'll find, take you to the lab. But we, we basically are, are a, a CRM, if you will, for social media managers to to run all of their social media you know, the content planning, the content posting, the taking care of messages and mentions and reporting and, and all that sort of stuff. So we all, you know, we kind of consider ourselves like, you know, an agency's best friend because we do all the work and then you just have to manage it and send that reports over, you know, to your clients to make your life easier. So that's, that's kind of in like a minute or two, that's uh, the lab and Agora Pulse in a nutshell. Yeah, Agora Pulse is a fantastic tool. We we used to do a lot of social media management. We don't as much anymore, but we were using Agora Pulse back in the day. It worked fantastic. And man, you know, as we start getting back more into that again, we're going to have to go back and, and, and look at that tool again. I'm sure it's come a long way since last time we used it. But I wanted to talk a little bit more about some of your favorite experiments that you've done and maybe some of the ones where they busted a myth where where you were surprised at the outcome. And I've got some examples here also. So if you want to share one and then I also have some, I can. Yeah, I'm curious. What I'm really curious to is like, what, what do you think is going to be? Your, I'm like, which one is he going to point out? But for me, the, the one that's probably gotten most talked about and got me <laughs> the, the most like, I wouldn't necessarily call it hate mail, but the no, most responses from friends in the industry was one we tested and we're, we've tested it again. And I'm actually going to test it again this, you know, at the end of this summer, probably because it has been a while, but we, we tested, you know, should you place your, your hashtags on Instagram in the post when you make the original post or should you stuff it into the first comment? Because there's a lot of people for years who've been teaching people to do that. And mainly they were teaching it uh, because it just looked better. You know, it was kind of a vanity pretty thing. You know, it just didn't look as pretty with all the 30 hashtags, which is the max you can do on Instagram. It didn't look as good having it in the, in the, in the actual post itself. And a lot of people are teaching this and it's still large today. So it, we, <laughs> what we did with that to, to do it, and my, you know, originally my, my hypothesis, because I disagreed with this tactic the whole time. I always thought it didn't make any sense. I always, I thought it was going to, you know, my hypothesis was it'd be better to do it in the original post versus the comments. And so we, we ran a test across a couple of different accounts. They're in different industries. That way, you know, we're again, we're not testing the same hashtags. We're not testing the same accounts and, and audience. And, and, and basically, you know, to kind of sum it up, at, at the end of the day, what we found was the post that had the hashtags posted originally when you uploaded the picture to Instagram had about 29% higher reach than the post when people were coming back in and stuffing it into the first comment. And that was like, whoa, that's a big number. Cause that's, we're talking about free. This is free reach. This is not paid reach. 
And, and that averaged that across those three accounts that come up that and I tested it again to make sure still was seeing it that way. And so that one was probably the one that gets most talked about and I get asked about the most out of all the experiments out there because people have been, you know, they've been doing this for years and were taught that way. And so my, 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 my thing was with Instagram and it with anything in marketing, and you know this too, is once marketers figure out a way to kind of trick the platform and trick the algorithm, those platforms, you know, aren't stupid. They realize it and they change things. And so they stopped ranking the hashtags and comments very high in the explore feed. So it had to be on the original post because they saw what marketers were doing. And there's a time factor in there. You know, if you're going to go back manually do it now, there are there is one app right now that's been approved to do it. You know, audit, you could you could schedule it if you will. At the time when I did the test, you couldn't. You had to do it manually. And so there's a time factor where you're not getting in there as fast, so it doesn't really match the picture itself. Because some people for a while there, what they had realized was you put a fresh comment with a hashtag on Instagram and it would it could be older posts and it would pop back up in the explore feed, uh, which is not what Instagram wanted. They just missed that when they set their algorithm up. So that started to change things as it goes. See, that, that's, that's, that's the one that gets me the most questions at conferences and stuff like that. Do you think that's because of the time decay on posts? And time decay, for anybody who's not familiar, is like the longer a post has been up, the less the platform will show it to other people. Do you think it's that time decay between the time you make the post and the time that you put it in the comments? I do think that's part of it for sure. And in this test in particular, I didn't count anything. When I went and put the comment, you know, the hashtags in the comments, if I if I took more than 15 minutes, I didn't count it because I was really worried about that time to K quite a bit. Most of the times it was within five minutes, you know, I'd go over and do it. But yeah, it's it's such a manual process too. Now, granted, and this is where, this is where I want to retest this one is with an approved app, to do the kind, there are a lot of apps that haven't been approved by Instagram's API to do it. So I wouldn't want to test those, but there is at least one that's been approved and it's, you know, to, to do it. So that would change, that could change things a little bit because it would go out immediately and may not be a factor at all. But at the end of the day, really, if you're thinking about Instagram, it's all about the photo anyway, your description needs to maybe hook them a little bit and those, you know, 75 or so characters that'll show up before you get to see more or read more a link to open up the, the rest of the description. So, I mean, so the photo is most important. Then it's that, Hey, catch them to try to get them to click. And then if you want to, you know, I tell people all the time, if you want to do a bunch of white space and, stuff the hashtags way at the bottom of that, you know, po- <laughs> the, the description when you post it, then that's fine. But the use of a hashtag is, is is for people who don't know you, people who don't follow you. You're trying to get it discovered. That's what all the hashtag is for typically, especially on Instagram. I don't think people follow hashtags as much as they do elsewhere on Instagram, but it's, it's so you can get in front of other people. And so don't worry about it. I mean, Get it out there so you can get found I and mean, maybe get new followers or, you know, push people over to your link in your bio or whatever it else is that you're doing. That's kind of what my recommendation always is for that. You know, that's kind of a good lead in to what was probably one of my favorite social media lab experiments, which was color photos versus black and white photos. <laughs> yeah, that that was an interesting test. And the funniest part of this whole test is... I'd used a photo of our co-founder, Ben. He's a Frenchman, one of the, one of the nicest Frenchmen you'll, you'll ever meet in your life. And I posted it in black and white and it said something about, you know, I forget what the, the actual, you know, the headline was of it. 
And we immediately started to get condolences. People thought Ben had died. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Ben didn't die. It's just a black and white picture of him. I'm testing something. And so and people were laughing and taking their comments down immediately. They felt foolish, you know, once they once they saw that. So it was a fun little like side thing that happened. They didn't here's the funny thing. They didn't no one said anything when I posted my own picture in black and white, but they they were concerned when Ben's picture was in black and white, which you know, makes makes me feel a little upset. Well, you know, it's fun. I think it's along that lines of, you know, when you see like a documentary or a reenactment or something like that on television and something like bad happened to somebody, they always kind of fade to black and white with the photo. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess maybe that's something to consider if you're going to do that. But the reason I came in wanted to test this was, you know, you're, you want to catch people's attention on, on Instagram and anything to kind of disrupt. I'm all about pattern interrupts and disrupting things. That's why I wear an orange wig in, in videos and on live shows and on stage. That's why my set for my live videos usually got lights flashing and a lot of weird stuff behind me because I want to catch your attention. And same thing with Instagram, anything you post really on any social media. But Instagram, especially, is so image it's, it's image driven. Posting something that's different can stand out, and a lot of people were saying that black and white photos were were standing out more. They're different from what you typically see on on Instagram because most time on Instagram you're taking a picture with your your phone and you know and you're just posting. That's what the Instagram wants you to do anyway. And so, like I, I my hypothesis here on this one was that black and white would actually get more likes than the color photos. I, I was actually completely wrong <laughs> uh, on that one. Uh, color photos got 24% more likes, 46% more comments, and like 15% more impressions and reach, and just way outperformed the black and white photos, even though they were very similar photos, very similar everything. You know, like no hashtags used, none of that sort of stuff. So we kept it very, we removed all the anomalies we possibly could from it. And it would that kind of, you know, after the fact, okay, I was like, all right, I, I kind of get that a little bit. I, I imagine, you know, just like with the hashtag thing we just talked about, you know, if Instagram sees a trend that marketers are hopping on and it's starting to work, they're going to go, hey, wait a minute, you know, Mr. Marketer, you know, let's don't let's kind of diminish the reach of those for a little bit. So you go back to posting natural things again. Right. They don't want people to game the system. Yeah, they don't want to game it. And, and like there were some other tests we've done, too, like even doing text on photos versus a regular photo or a graphic you create versus a photo. The the real human side of things always works better on Instagram. Yeah, on Instagram, actually, one of the ones I was going to bring up was the Instagram ad with a cartoon face versus a real person. And it was 32% lower cost per click, almost 65% higher reach, 58% more clicks. I mean, it was a very statistically significant difference. Yeah, and and that's and it, what that does to me and tells me is is Instagram is going to favor your posts that are just seem natural and seem less planned. They can still be planned. Like you could still schedule your your you know your Instagram posts through Agora Pulse or, or other apps, but make it look as natural as possible. I think that more. The more cutesy <laughs> you get with it, the more marketing feel you get on it, it, it turns people off. It's not what they expect when they go to Instagram. And, and so that's, and I like that. I mean, I, if as a user, I'm glad that that's the way it is. And as a marketer, 
you just have to embrace that and know, okay, well, uh, I may want to do it this one way, but the users and Instagram are wanting something different. So let's just be the best at that. So that's, that's a really important thing there. I learned from all, from both of the black and white one, the, the text, you know, the animated versus a human face, the human element is still so important, you know, in all social media and especially, gosh, especially these days, you know, post, I don't know if we could really say post COVID, but after, after the most of the pandemic, anyway, the height of it over, I think that the human element, people want to see faces. They want to see people smiling. They want to see, you know, activities or good scenery or things like that more than they do, you know, a graphic you created in Canva or something like that. Yeah. I think people are looking for kind of to live vicariously through experiences of other people on the platform. And that's kind of why you see things that do well, like, you know, photos of places that people want to travel to and people doing things that people are interested in and, and, you know, other people's lives and, you know, that whole kind of thing. But I want to switch gears for a second and talk about Facebook. Uh, Cause I know you guys have done a whole bunch of Facebook studies too. One of my favorites was the boosting a post by hitting the boost button versus boosting a post through ad manager. Yeah, that's that's an interesting one because I've been if you don't know what the boost button is, if you, if you make a post on your business page, there's always that boost option right below or for you to, you know, run a quick ad using that particular post. And I and I've had great success over the years using it, especially in a small business. I had a an inflatable business, you know, doing bounce houses and water slides and all that kind of stuff. And I'd post a picture I hit a boost. I'd, I'd boost it towards, you know, people in a certain geographical area, 30 miles around me. Boom, I was done. Spend $10, spend $20, you know, whatever. And But the boost button's always gotten a really bad rap. People tend to hate it, especially people who are like really, really like Facebook ads experts. I almost used the word snobs, but I guess now I just did. So I did it anyway. But the boost button gets a bad rap. Has for years. But people, it's gotten better over the years. There's more stuff you can do with it, more targeting you can do with it. So, you know, we, we tested link that were as identical as possible. They, you know, basically they were identical, I would, I would say. And we, we tested links sending traffic over to two different blog posts for from the lab using, I think we spent like 750 bucks Actually, the total was fifteen hundred on the whole experiment. We spent fifteen hundred dollars uh, on the whole experiment. Same, you know, did as close to the same ad placement we could do when it's boosting versus. So basically, kind of to boil it all down is the Facebook Ads Manager outperformed in every single category. Seventeen percent more clicks, sixty-four percent higher reach, and an eighteen percent lower CPC. So did much much better, which supported. The stuff that the gurus and the experts <laughs> have been saying, and I was wrong on this one. And that's that's the thing here that's interesting is sometimes I, I think boost the boost button is still something you should consider when you're getting started out. You know, if you want to play around with ads, you're going to spend five bucks or ten bucks or something like that. It may not be worth your effort to hop into Ads Manager and figure it out because it's a little confusing at first. But if you want to be serious and you want to really target well and you're wanting Facebook to learn, you know, what audience is best. You can't do that with the boost button. You have to go in the ads manager and really set up your campaign and work through that or have an agency do it for you, you know, who knows what they're doing. That's, you know, because it, it can be hard for a small business to kind of try to figure that out. You know, I have a pretty good rule of thumb, and that is if you're going to spend less than a few hundred bucks, using the boost button is fine. Don't spend all the time to figure out ad manager. If you're going to spend a few hundred bucks to maybe a thousand bucks a month, 
you know, take a course on how to use ad manager, right? If you're going to spend more than a thousand bucks, just get an agency. Right. That's true. I mean, because it's just a lot to keep up with. I mean, we, we have a guy now who doesn't, you know, he hundred percent does all our ads for the company and it's a full-time job just keeping up, especially right now with the changes to Apple. There, there's so much to dive into that the, the average person, unless you're just paying it, it's like SEO, unless you're just reading about it daily, you don't know what's going on. So yeah, I, so our, our test, you know, statistically significantly said, don't use that boost button, especially on using the level, like you just said, the level of money we were using, we could have got more bang for our buck if all the money was put in the ads manager instead of splitting it between. And that's what we were trying to figure out is, is there one that's better than the other? But again, it's like, if I'm back to my small business and running 10 bucks here and there, yeah, I click the boost button. I'll target people who like my page and then move on, you know, and maybe get a sale out of it or a rental or something like that. Yeah, if you're going to, you know what, a lot of small businesses, you know, if they don't have the money to use an agency, I tell them just kind of roll out an ad every week or two with the boost button and run it for a couple of weeks, right? So you're running 2 to $4 a day kind of thing. It's more than enough to keep a very, very small local business busy, right? Yeah. And, and the thing with the different, the big difference too is typically anyway, the ads you run through Ads Manager, once that ad is over, no one sees it. It's not on your Facebook page. It's gone, which kind of can keep your page from being cluttered up where if something you're boosting is going to, it already lived on your page and it's going to stay on your page after the fact. So that's a little bit of a difference too, where it's almost like a dark post, if you will. You know, no one would, no one would find it unless the ad was served to them when you run it through ads manager in, in that way anyway. So that's another thing to kind of think about. Like you could, you could post something to your page that you're, existing audience sees but post something completely different to an audience that doesn't already like your page and it's a cool way to segment that but you have to do that through ads manager you can't boost something like that there's just no way i mean you always have the option to create a post on your page and then select the post in ad manager so you can't have it live in both places also well yeah you can do that too Right. Exactly. Exactly. But having that ability to give stuff to serve something up to other another audience is really neat. Absolutely. And uh, so another one that you guys did that was one that actually really surprised me was the Facebook video sizes for ads. So it was the like square video versus wide format versus tall format videos. And I mean, everyone everywhere says square video is the way to do it. <laughs> It's paying the ass to make square video. Yeah, I mean, it's gotten easier a little bit over the years. A little bit. <laughs> but I mean, everybody's shooting for 16 by 9 still. So you got to cut it down. I'm trying to find this one real quick. I actually have it here. So the square video ended up, the CPM cost was $1.91, I think it is. Or a CPC cost, sorry. And the cost per click for the wide format video is $1.79, but for vertical video, it was only 94 cents. Yeah. I mean, so what we, what we found on this one, we did this one with, with the wave video. So we had our, our audience plus their audience and, you know, running, it was a small test, you know, money wise, but the, the vertical video ads had 50.79% lower CPC than the square ads and in 47.49% lower CPC than the wide video ad. So the vertical video did did better, which is... Yeah, we had the founder of Wave Video on the show last year. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they do some cool stuff. I really like what they do. 
Yeah, I really like their software. We use it on every week for our promos for the show. So if you see if you see Scott in a video, that's wave.video. <laughs> but if you go there and you select podcast templates, one of the templates that are in there is the template from our show. Oh, that's cool. Interestingly enough. So yeah, the video thing really surprised me. Yeah, it did it did me too because you don't think especially Facebook, you know, the square is just what everybody is, is, is going after, but it fills the screen up and it kind of keeps you from being distracted from other things, especially on your mobile device, which is where most people are seeing Facebook or any social media these days. So it fills up the screen better. They don't feel like they have to turn their, even like if you're doing a wide one, people still feel like they need to turn their phone sideways to really see it and get the whole cinematic, you know, feel. So yeah, so I mean, it's, it's one of those other things, like it's worth testing on your own and seeing, okay, you know, I've been doing Square, but what if I got a lower CPC if if I switched over to, you know, you know a, a four by five vertical aspect ratio? So yeah, another one that I didn't think would go the way that it would go. And that's why like even I'm thinking like on Instagram, for example, we make, and you may do this too, like you were talking about using videos for like your podcast to, to promote them and stuff like that. You know, I'll make mine in... For like IGTV, I'll make them in the full story style vertical, but it makes sure all the good stuff's in the middle in the square. That way I can publish it and you still can see it on Instagram in the square. So it's really the same video. You just don't know it until you go and actually watch on IGTV. So it takes out some of that hassle of like, I don't necessarily need to make the video in three different shapes. <laughs> I can just do it in one and publish it and everybody's going to be happy with it and fine with it. Nice. So I think one more quick one, because LinkedIn has gotten super popular and, and even more so recently. And, and I don't have actual scientific data on this, but my anecdotal data says that most of the people that I talk to now say they spend more time on LinkedIn than they used to. I, yeah, I mean, I, I, I do. Well, I say I do. I, I go, LinkedIn is one of those ones that you go to, then you, you're like, ah, oh, I love this site. And then you, you forget about it because you get distracted with cat memes somewhere else or, you know, a live video here or there. Well, actually, that's what I like about it is I don't get distracted with a bunch of crap I don't care about. Right. There's more lately, but I guess it depends on maybe you're connected to. But I, I think I think there I think LinkedIn's mobile app is the best out of all the major platforms. I love how it works. I love how it feels. I don't know I, I just like it more than all the rest of them for whatever reason. I don't know. Maybe it's because I'm getting older, <laughs> but I tend to I tend to gravitate towards it. Yeah, maybe. I, I've been spending a lot more time on, on LinkedIn and we're broadcasting our show live on LinkedIn now. And, you know, so it's come a long way recently. But the the test that you guys did was the text posts on LinkedIn versus link posts and photo posts. Yeah, that's an interesting because I didn't think, you know, Facebook text is dead. It's been dead for a long time. <laughs> I mean, for business pages, even you know, Facebook said years ago that the reach of a text only post for a business page was diminished because, again, it's none of those things where they figured out people were tricking the algorithm. And so they just diminished them because people were saying, you know, they were doing the here's here's my story or whatever. And then the links in the comments sort of deal. And so they were trying. I think Facebook started going, hey, wait a minute, you can't do that. And so, yeah, this one was this one was another one that you know didn't go the way I thought it would go. And it's a huge number. You see that number on there. The text only post compared to link post and photo post. It was a thousand sixty nine percent 
higher views on text only updates on, on LinkedIn. And I've tested that a couple of times. Melanie Dodaro was someone who was the reason that we started doing this test and she's known for, for LinkedIn marketing and she was seeing this as well. And it kind of, when you were talking about when we, when we first started talking about LinkedIn, why we like it, you don't get distracted there as much because there's not as much garbage typically LinkedIn really people over there, you're connected typically you're in the same industry. So if you're a realtor, you're connected to other realtors. And so a text only post, typically the ones that we see do well, you know, are, are usually questions like, Hey, give me your top three tips, you know, for a last minute open house. And other realtors, they want to chime in and give their two cents and give over their social equity and they'll, they'll add it in there. And if they know that that's, you're not, you don't have to go to a link. They don't have to look at some silly photo or be attached to something that they wouldn't want others to see their comments on. Something like that, the text-only questions, people are more willing to engage with over there. And it's quicker, especially quicker. It's got to be shorter, too. The shorter ones, I think, have always done better as well. So that's that's where I think it's different over there because it's, you know, it's it's about social equity for one. And, and do I want to put my comment on something? I know if it's a question like this, I can do it quick. Or polls have become big right now. I really want to test polls over there. But I think that's why it does better is because it's in that industry. Yeah, everybody's starting to get pretty tired of polls. They, they overrun my feed right now. Yeah, you see a lot of po- polls that are like, are you tired of polls? I did one. It was yes and yes. Like it was the only two options. Yeah, that's funny. I did one just, just said simply said yes or no. And there's no question about what it was. And I think no one. Yeah, that's the bad thing, too, is when stuff like that comes out, people do overrun it. And that, I think you'll see those start to go away, I hope. But Back to this study, though, text does better. There are some ways, you know, you could see if you're trying to drive anytime you try to drive traffic off of a social site, you're going to get less exposure by that social platform because they want to keep everybody in their house. And, and so that's that's really why I think these do well. And people are wanting to engage the same with like Facebook groups right now. You know, you ask a question in a Facebook group, you're keeping people there. Those get the most engagement on the Facebook groups where a link to something else doesn't. It's the same mindset that's going on on LinkedIn. It's just, you know, LinkedIn's the whole platform versus a feature in Facebook. So to give you some ideas for some possible LinkedIn experiments, I can tell you about what we've been tracking and what we're seeing on LinkedIn. And this is only on two accounts, so obviously not a huge sample size. (laughs) However, I find that photos that are seem kind of run of the mill photos but then have something about them that's abstracted seem to do really well. So a good example is I took like the meme photo of the of the kind of like the toddler on the beach with his fist up and I used the reface app and put my oh, face gosh. on it. <laughs> that one got a huge amount of reach, right? Another one that I did is I took a couple of memes from like the movie office space and refaced those. Those have seemed to do pretty well. Also, I've seen that if the post has something to do with a charity event, it seems to do really well. I don't know if it's just because people like charity events or if that has something to do with the algorithm. Our live videos have not been getting that much reach, which I think is a bit weird. Yeah, I, I, we've seen, I've seen that too. They were doing well when I finally got approved, which took forever. Yeah, it took me two years to get approved. Yeah, I think me too. They did well, but now I've noticed lately that I think because, again, they've it's too many people are hopping on just like with polls and doing them. I don't think LinkedIn doesn't seem to be giving them the, the exposure 
that they promised and they did in the beginning anyway. But it could just be that where, you know, the algorithm is trying to serve up a mix of content. And if it's too much of one, they're not going to show a lot. could be all what it is. I don't know. I still don't think people necessarily are on LinkedIn for live video. Yeah, I think the edited videos that have captions seem to still do pretty well. Yeah. One thing that I did notice that seems to do well is those kind of posts that they kind of look like Instagram carousels, but they're PDFs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you put the PDF in and you can swipe through the pages. Those seem to do well because people don't know how to make them yet. So there's not very many of them. <laughs> and then people don't know how to engage engage with it either. Like, how do I how do I interact with this post? What is this? Yeah, but I have I have seen those. I saw one of Gary V's posts that his team made that had arrows that say, you know, swipe left to right to do this kind of thing. So I had instructions on how to use it, which was I thought was pretty clever. Yeah, because I mean, sometimes you gotta you gotta tell your audience this is what's gonna happen, or and that's why carousel. You were talking about Instagram carousel. We've tested those a few times, and they used to not do well, and now they're doing better. Yeah, they seem to the organic carousels seem to be doing better. Yeah, one, I think once you start, the audience starts figuring out what it is. It's that helps out. But yeah, I need, yeah, I do need to test that. That would be interesting. I like the reface one too. The reface one's surprising to me though, because it's not the typical you know, business suit LinkedIn sort of post, you know, it's more the, what you do on Facebook. I think it's like you were saying earlier about the, you know, kind of breaking that pattern of what people are seeing, having that pattern interrupt where there's something that kind of splits it all up for people. Right. Yeah. As long as every, you know, every other post on LinkedIn is not congratulating people about a job. That's. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, those are just, meh. you know, like, I guess, if you're if if the point of your posting on LinkedIn is to have other people in the company and those that person's family all say congratulations, then those are great. But if your point is to like sell something, then that's not going to do you any favors. No, not at all. Like what's funny is like I've I've gone in and added a position at a company, quote unquote. But really, it's like you know here it's I'm promoting my live show. I was but you know I'm the host of Social Media Lab, and it'll show up you know, as a new position. And then I get so many messages and congratulations on those posts. It's so interesting. And so like what I've been been doing is every time I do it, I've only, I've done it twice now. And I've and I know another guy who does it every time he's, you know, gets a gig to produce some show. He'll, he'll do it. And then all, you get all these private messages. And so I private message everybody back with a link to over to it. Say, so, hey, go check it out. You know, this gets, so it's like, it's kind of a little ninja way to, you know, get people and push people over to something. That's a good ninja tip. Might have to sneak that in for our next show. Yeah, it's something to play around with. Like, especially, you know, you're not being dishonest, but people see that and they just push the button and hit the audit. You know, they're, they're not even adding anything to it. They're just like, oh, congratulate, congrats. You know, they're just LinkedIn. LinkedIn pushes that out to us to give us this, you know, fake engagement, I guess. Forced engagement, I guess just should say. But if you turn around and use that, I used to get annoyed by it. Now I'm like, Hey, this is an opportunity. I'm going to, every time I speak at something mean, for our company anyway, we had an agency summit here recently. Or I didn't speak at that, but I spoke at the, Insta, the last one we did, which was on Instagram. But speaking at this, and then someone would say, hey, congratulations on the new position. And I say, hey, here, you can go register here. And I got registration people to register from it. Because I, I think I got 150, 200 people every time I do it, send me those fake, you know, forced messages. But it's led to conversations. And that's kind of a, ninja trick maybe to, to play around with. I don't know if I could ever test it to see if it's, you know, something you should do because everybody's going to be different. But a great little, Tim Sohn is one who, who, you know, 
clued me in on that. I saw him doing it. I'm like, dude, why are you doing this so much? <laughs> He's like, every time I do it, I get a bunch of messages and I send people a link to it. I'm like, ah. So do you have any thoughts on some of the newer platforms that are out? Kind of the, you know, TikTok and Clubhouse and, you know, whatever else. Of course, I don't know if TikTok would be that new anymore. Well, it's not that new, but. You know, I've gotten, it was funny with TikTok is, is, you know, of course I'm not a TikToker at all. I open the app like once a month at this point, but I used to, I, I got way into watching stuff. And then I got, when COVID happened and lockdowns happened, I kind of quit watching because there was too much. I never knew what lyrics would play when I was sitting around my kids. <laughs> and so it's like, oh, I can't, no, I'm not going to listen to this. I'm not, I can't watch this anymore. But I still think there's a place for it. I think people are doing really well over there. Yeah. I needed like a family filter. Yeah. That would, yeah. And, and granted, it depends on who you follow, of course. But if you're looking at the main feed, you just never know. So I think it's still got a place. And, you know, as we're seeing stuff come over there, people will be able to do ads over there. That'll change the game a little bit and probably bore a lot of people. Once ads are a real popular clubhouse, I, I think Facebook and Twitter will kill clubhouse or if they haven't already with their new audio rooms. Spotify has got an audio room. I think LinkedIn's probably even talking about an audio. I've said from the beginning that LinkedIn should have bought Clubhouse and you know Clubhouse should have cashed out when they have an opportunity to. Because it's just, I think people don't want, I don't know. I think I go, I've gone to Clubhouse when I finally got it for an Android because I'm an Android guy. And I opened it up twice and I haven't opened it up since then. Because it's just nothing excited me enough to sit around and be on there 18 hours a day like some people have been. <laughs> Well, we did a, a short stint of doing a show on there and did some tests on it. And like we could live stream, you know, through like StreamYard or something onto, you know, three other platforms at once rather than be on Clubhouse and talk to a few random people with no any any kind of like idea of where they came from. You know, we're not connected to them in any way. It was just, yeah, it just seemed like this weird, random free-for-all. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I think what happened there, when you think about six months ago when it was really getting talked about, it is speakers especially, people who used to go out and speak on stages for a living. No, there were no stages to speak at when conference season kind of came back, started started back up. And it was it was a, it was a great, perfect storm for them. And so those people started using Clubhouse as their stage. I and mean, it's even called the stage. And you get the mic and you come up on stage and blah, blah, blah. And so it was great for them to have an audience and, and people to talk to and kind of get, you know, their dopamine rush speaking. And, and and there's nothing showing for it later. I mean, there's no recording, none of that sort of stuff. And created this FOMO, which I'm not a big fan of the, the whole FOMO thing. And so, but now I think we're getting back to live events those clubhouse will start to, you'll see it get less and less usage because people have less and less reason to speak at it and wait and spend their time on it. That's why I think Facebook and stuff is getting a little bit late into the audio room thing. Now they're forcing something that maybe their users don't even want. Yeah. And you know what? Facebook's going to do in that. They'll build something just because something else is popular. And then two years from now, they'll cancel it. Well, yeah, for sure. That, when nobody uses it. Yeah. No one will use it and then they'll go away. But you're like, um, <coughs> watch party right right <laughs> We're gonna, don't get me started on watch party. i loved watch parties not because i actually watched them but because i could push you know a lot of people over to watch my live videos on, on the actual page we were able to lots of times do because you could do three three watch parties as much as you could do and it counted the viewers on that were watching it inside the groups 
or your profile or whatever, they would show up as live viewers on the main video. And so, you know, you might have, if you didn't do a watch party, you might just say you had 50 live viewers and then you do a couple of watch parties and you get, you're at two or 300 really fast. That was nice from that vanity metric side of things to, to have that. Now they, you know, they got rid of it and Again, nobody was using it. I think this is the same thing. Spotify, though, hopping into the green room game, you know, I think that's what they're calling it, is interesting. That could hurt Clubhouse, but I don't, I don't know. I don't think it's – until you can – for me as a marketer, if I can't repurpose it, I have a hard time wanting to use it. Right. Yeah, I want to be building assets, not spending my time doing something that disappears. And I know you can record them you know, on your own, but – I think – all the social media apps and stuff that are coming out, I think more and more apps are going to come out and the, and the audience is going to get more fragmented as time goes on. But I think, you know, you're still going to have a few heavy hitters that are already there that already exist that people keep using it because, I mean, how many features do you really need at the end of the day? <laughs> yeah, you would think that. You know, I need to know when Bob's birthday is and I know and I need to invite my friend's kids to my five-year-old's birthday party or something. <laughs> I'm going to use Facebook, right? Exactly. I share photos with the grandparents. I'm going to stick them on Instagram. And, you know, if my preteen wants to do a silly dance with us in the house and record it, we'll use the TikTok, right? And so there's 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 use cases for the stuff, but there's not. I think you'll get, you know, small groups of people that use certain types of apps. You know, kind of like the gaming community seems to be getting pretty big on Twitter recently, like the tabletop gaming. And uh, same with like, you know, journalists, of course, are all over Twitter. And but most of the people that I talk to, they don't use it at all. Right. And, you know, so there's going to be small audiences going to each platform. But let me ask you this before we go. I know we've kind of run a little bit longer than we're going to. But one kind of final question is if somebody wants to get a hold of you or they want to watch or listen to some of the social media labs where can they reach out to you yeah the quick easy you know url to remember is just agorapulselab.com you know, they'll take you right over to the social media labs we, I, I basically always say we have a we have a room in the house on the Agora Pulse website. The main URL, the URL for it is really long, so I got a little shorter link and forward it over. So agorapulselab.com, you can see all of our experiments. You can see the, you can find the podcasts and the interview shows and all those things right there. Perfect. Scott Ayers helping you make good decisions on your social media with science. Science! Science! <laughs> Scott, thanks for being on the show. All right, thanks for having me, Matt. This has been Digital Marketing Masters with Matt and Carrie Rouse. For notes and a transcript of this episode, go to hookseo.com forward slash podcast. Join us next week as we dive into more tips and ideas to grow your business. Digital Marketing Masters is brought to you by Hook SEO Digital Marketing. Our show is produced by Matthew Rouse and Scott Burson. Mixed and edited by Silent Outburst Productions. I'm your announcer, Daniel D. Craig. We would love to hear your thoughts. Please leave us an honest review with your podcast provider. Your reviews help us help more business leaders just like you.